Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome back to the Verbal Outpost where we've been talking about Ramadan and how that's kind of impacted us all uh, as a result of the COVID lockdowns last year where it was um, almost imminently announced about a month beforehand and how this year we might have been able to better prepare ourselves for that. Uh, the last point we was talking about is maybe sometimes having a tendency to have a bit of an adrenaline adrenaline rush at the start of Ramadan and kind of burning ourselves out. Um, but just that, you know, Hamza made it uh, the point that it's a marathon rather than a sprint. So you've got to pace yourself so that you know that you're going to endure the month, as it were, uh, make sure you get through to the end uh, and achieve those goals that you set out for. Um, just on the back of that, uh, is there anything you guys do in particular to avoid that adrenaline rush problem? Or if somebody was to ask you, uh, you know, they're having that problem, is there any advice that you'd give them to help them with that? I've got to be honest, I'm not, I'm not sure I experience that adrenaline, the, the adrenaline, the spiritual adrenaline rush that you guys are referring to. So I've got to be honest, I don't think I really experienced that at the beginning. I think possibly a few days into it, mm. um, I was starting to pick it up. But I think I start off quite slow and steady and then build mm. up the momentum. And then I think that I think the tipping point is the last 10 days. I think that's the key part. Yeah. Is that it, has, it, it? It sort of escalates into the last ten days. Um, culminates. There you go. That's the word I'm looking for. It it culminates. Into, I think that's the word I'm looking for. But um, it transfers into the last ten days, and then that's where a lot spiritually, and that's where a lot of focus is, um, particularly on the odd nights. So mm. I think really by the end of Ramadan, you're quite tired and you've had quite a lot of sleepless nights by that yeah. point. Yeah, so, by this point, you've been fasting for, what, three weeks, just over three weeks? Yeah, yeah. So I've, I've not really experienced that bit of where you do lots in the first few days. Mm. Um, I've, yeah, I've not. I've not. Do you think you might get that rush towards the end then in those last 10 days? I think so, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think visually you see it um, among the community, though, because especially at Tarawi, um, where you see the masjids are completely full, where it used to be, I'm talking about obviously pre-COVID and lockdown mm. and everything, the masjid would be completely packed out for the first few days. Um, every, you can see everyone's, everyone's there, the parents are bringing the kids, you know, the kids are coming with their friends, you know, it's completely rammed and it's really nice to see. Um, but it's unfortunate because we know the reality is that half of that, maybe um, half of those people attending will drop off after about five to 10 days, you know, and it's not with every masjid, it's a, I'm basing it on sort of personal experience on some of the masjids that I've been to, where the numbers start to decrease over time. And I feel like that is part of that, you know, that rush at the start of Ramadan, where everyone's like feeling a bit of that buzz of Ramadan. They think, look, let's get to the masjid, let's do our full mm. prayers. And, and it's not even just the attendance as well. It's also, um, I've noticed it with praying the 20 rakats, where in some masjids they pray 20 rakats, where you see a lot of people praying the 20, 
20, but then slowly they'll be like, okay, you know what, we'll just pray eight today. <laughs> and then and they'll slowly start leaving the masjid after eight rakats instead. Um, and I feel like, oh, at the beginning you see them praying 20, but then slowly sort of halfway, they're like, okay, yeah, you know what, we'll pray eight now. Um, and I think if in terms of advice, I'd say, look, just set realistic expectations. If you feel like, you know, if you're going to be, if you feel like you're going to be dropping off um, with your prayers or how many rakats you pray, you know, just set realistic goals, something that will be a bit more consistent throughout, you know, be real with yourself. You see, I'd, I, I, I would look at that very differently. I wouldn't see that as an adrenaline rush and I wouldn't even see that as being something temporary. I think when Ramadan starts, I think there's a lot of people that want to get into the spirit of it um so i think th those people going to the mosque and big families and people praying all 20 for the first few days i think i mean i think that's a positive thing in the sense that they w would I, I would imagine and i've probably done something very similar and i think we probably all do something very similar is that our worship is naturally going to decrease the amount that we do um, in the first 20 days anyway, right? Um, or mm. it's going to be roughly, you know, the similar, it's going to be similar throughout the 20 days, but typically it is going to decrease from the first few days. And that's just getting into a routine. But without going to the mosque and praying or 20, you're not really going to get that, yeah, that buzz from it. If we mm. all went to the, if we all spent the first few days doing what we did on day 20, it probably wouldn't be very much. And then in that scenario, by day 20, we'd probably be doing next to nothing. Does that make sense? So I think the starting point doesn't necessarily determine the end point. No, because like you mentioned, sometimes you can have a slower start, but then build up as you get towards the end, rather than having a big start and then kind of declining towards the end, can't you? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and it's completely natural for people to dip a little bit because people are getting into the routine. But it could be a lot worse. It could be a lot worse. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think I we're saying, yeah, I don't think we are saying that that rush is necessarily a negative thing. It's just sort of finding that balance. You know, if if you do get a bit of that buzz and, you know, you're trying to sort of find your way through ramadan um just sort of finding a nice balance as well i mean that rush can be a really good thing it can help motivate you and push you um to carry on throughout the month for some people however for others it is sort of a temporary thing you know last for a few days um and they just need to find a way of just sort of balancing it out so it makes sure that they can sort of maintain something throughout the rest of ramadan as well mm. i mean we've linked quite a lot of you know spiritual boost as it were to being in the in the masjid, isn't it? Um, but even though we're going to be in the masjid this year, there there is going to still be social distancing and therefore less capacity for people. Um, so typically, where you might find the full masjids and everybody's in the masjid, even if everybody wants to go to the masjid with social distancing, not everybody's going to be able to physically get in there just purely because half of that space is going to be empty, as it were, isn't it? And then, you know, seeing as we're talking about capacity and the number of attendees, you know, probably a bigger thing than COVID last year has been, you know, the summertime that we're coming out of. I mean, the past 10, 15 years, past 10 years, 15 years, Ramadan has been cutting across summer. Mm. 
And that has had a massive impact, I think, because you've got this second, third generation that already are slightly disconnected from their religion, who may have slightly uh, differing identities. And then all of a sudden, well, not all of a sudden, but gradually you've got Ramadan, which everybody used to do from the age of eight, nine years old when we were kids. Mm. Um, because it was in well, maybe not that it wasn't about then yeah yeah so you know you just miss breakfast and have a late lunch around four o'clock in the afternoon and you know it'd be full on kime parate and pakore and samosa and fried food (laughs) if you're pakistani um or from the subcontinent but then things completely changed while it's been cutting through the summertime and numbers have dropped off significantly from uh, you know, things like Tarawih and the Qiyam and a lot of the things that people used to do in a congregational way. They have, they don't mean the same to many of the younger generation now who may not have participated in a lot of those things growing up. Put it, put it this way, there's there's a question that I hear quite a lot being asked about if somebody is doing their exams, do they have to fast or not? Mm, and I, point. I think that's very telling. I think that's very telling. I mean, we, we never had that challenge no, when, we, no. when we were younger. But I mean, I, coming from my perspective, I think that's an awful thing to ask. I think you fast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for, for, from I think for 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 us guys, at the very least, even if you miss the hood, and, and the fasting days, what twenty twenty hours plus, you'd you'd still kind of just get on with it. Um, but it's a different mindset now, isn't it, with the younger generation? Yeah, and I I, I, don't, I don't want to be one of those grumpy old men and say <laughs> that oh, it was better in our time. I get that when we were fasting when we were younger it was in winter time so it is it, it, it is to a certain extent comparing apples and oranges but yeah i just think it's a bit sad that questions being asked do we need to fast if we've got an exam um in in obviously there's going to be dispensation there's going to be different scenarios but generally now you fast you need to toughen up it's a good life lesson because life is quite tough <laughs> and yeah. yeah there's going to be yeah, today will be an exam. Tomorrow will be, oh, well, work's too hard or I've got a meeting. And yeah, there's plenty of dispensation. If you're traveling, if you're menstruating, there's loads of scenarios where you don't need to fast if you're sick. Mm. So, you know, there's, we don't need to start making up extra rules for yeah. it. So it, it's just interesting. I mean, just some mm. of these conversations from the past 10, 15 years, I think, have made a bigger impact with the reduced numbers at the mosque rather than covid is what i would say yeah you made an interesting point about the summertime as well because i was just thinking to myself obviously with the nights being shorter everything's so sort of compacted in like you pray your tarawi you have to quickly get home try squeeze in some sleep if you can then try wake up for school some people questioning whether they should even sleep and just stay awake mm. and then that's the whole <laughs> and then just stay awake throughout the whole night you have the shorter times to do your ibadah as well where before you know in the winter time and whatnot you'd have a longer period of time to you know do more of your prayers read quran get some sleep in um so obviously the younger generation they're seeing that and thinking, oh forget that you know for we know they're looking at things like <laughs> we need our sleep <laughs> you know maybe 
maybe that's another reason why they're questioning whether they should even be fasting and whatnot with it being so difficult, the hours being so long. Um, yeah, but I just, I, I never really thought about it. Like, that was a really good point, Hamza. I was just thinking the summertime has such a big effect on how people see Ramadan and how people mm. see fasting. And, and do you know what? I've got a feeling it's not the kids as asking that question. If I'm completely honest, I've got a bad feeling it's the parents of the children. And I think it's it's i'm probably going slightly off piece now okay but i think it's <laughs> potential I'll, I'll i'll do it very quickly Rahul, and then if you just pull it back but what worries me is that it's potentially the parents and they're potentially doing it because there's some status involved with their children doing well in exams which um I don't think they're mutually exclusive. You can fast and you can still do very well in your exams. Yeah, there's exams of, uh, examples of cric famous cricketers that will be fasting and you know smashing the yeah. ball out of the park, man. Yeah, you know, getting centuries yeah. while they're fasting. So of course it has an impact, but it can be managed um, the same way we've all adjusted to the summertime. So I think the first thing is. My worry is that some parents are chasing after the status associated with doing well in exams. And I think the second concern for me is particularly older kids, is parents still treating them like kids, mm. like very like babies. And I think that worries me as well, is that treat them like young men, treat oh, sorry, not young men, young men and young women. Um, treat them like young adults. Don't don't mollycoddle them. So uh, I think if, it's a great point that yeah I think it's great that you mentioned that because you know I was about to say that you know we're kind of focusing all these comments on the newer generation but f from my experience at least I don't know if you guys have had this but I've seen where people from our generation or maybe even the generation before um, you know over the last few years when Ramadan was in the summer period at its peak as it were you know in terms of duration um, they've said I'm not fasting because I, I miss Zuhur or it was too hot today yeah, things, things like that. And I, I don't, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to be that person. But in my head, I'm thinking, is that really a justifying reason to miss a fast? And and the reason I say that is because obviously, it's it's an it's an obligation on us. You know, when it comes down to it, um, you know, like the ayah that I read out at the start, of, it's Allah telling us that He's prescribed it for us. It's it's mandatory on us. And, and the ultimate reason for that is to gain closeness to Allah, that piety. And it, it is going to come down to what you value more, isn't it? Uh, for yourself and, and, and your kids. And you know what? It's not supposed to be easy. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, he says that, you know, the believer does it. We, we, we do it purely for his sake. And it's something that Allah um, bestows so many specific um so types of reward that are, that are very specific to Ramadan that you just don't benefit from if you're not fasting. And the flip side to it is that there is so many dispensations. There is. I mean, if you compare it to Salah, Salah is something that you have to do. You know, you can be in, uh, you, know, you can be on the battlefield, and you know, you still need to pray your Salah. Um, but with Ramadan and with fasting, there's a lot of dispensation. If you if you're sick. You don't need to fast, but I, th I, I just worry at times people become lightweights and don't want to push themselves or don't want mm. to s sort of put that sacrifice in, that bit of effort in. And it does need that. 
and I, Ramadan I think, fasting does need that. And I think that what you you know tied that in to parents being concerned about the exam results of their children, be, you know, for whatever reason, whether it's status or otherwise, it's an interesting one because you're omitting worshiping Allah by fasting, but it's Allah that's going to give you the result ultimately, isn't it? You know, obviously it's down to us to put that effort in. Yes, by all means. But ultimately, he's the one who's going to give us the outcome. So it's almost a bit of a, I want to say oxymoron of sorts. Yeah, counterintuitive. <laughs> counterintuitive, yeah. You're asking Allah for something, and but withholding your end of the ibadah, your, your end of the deal, as it were. Yeah. I, and, and, and like I said, they're not mutually exclusive, is mm. that it, it can be managed because... When you're older, you're going to have to be working as well. And I, I, I just, I think it's a lousy lesson to teach children. Again, I mean, I don't have children that are 16 years old or 18 doing GCSEs or A-levels. So I, I, I've not been put in that boat, never say never. So let me just caveat that. Mm. But my current thinking at the moment is I think it's a bad lesson. I think it just teaches that young person that, if it's too difficult, you don't need to fast. Or if something concerning a dunya comes along and it, uh, you can you can cut some of your Islamic duties, like fasting or like salah. So that that's just that, that's my personal opinion. I think that's why it's important from a young age, you sort of instill those sort of beliefs in the kids to you know remind them how important it is and that you can't just make excuses, you know for for and dunya reasons anyway you know to not fast uh, like i've got kids i've got my kids asking mm. me if they can fast and you know my son's five my daughter's uh eight and they're asking oh can we fast can we fast and you know i remember from a young, a young age at that sort of age you know my parents say oh yeah you can fast for a couple of hours three hours four hours and you sort of work your way up isn't it so like my daughter inshallah she's going to maybe try fast from sort of breakfast in the morning until iftar you know aim but obviously we're not going to be so strict that look okay you have to do it now that you said it you know if she if she needs yeah, to break yeah. it half, but, half day isn't it yeah half yeah yeah do you know that's interesting are we going to be putting what we say so are we going to be putting our mouth where was it? Where money where the mouth so, is. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be putting our, our money where our mouth is. So we're, we've been saying all this stuff. And actually with my eight-year-old, he said the exact same thing. He wants to fast whole days. And I've said to him that, look, I don't think you should do whole days because you're a growing boy. Okay. Um, and you do need to eat, so maybe do half a day. But however, however, however absolutely build it up and he did do half days last year i think I, mm. I don't remember how many he did um so ease i think our plan is to ease him into it but when it becomes obligatory yeah yeah the age of 13 14 oof, the chitara coming out there <laughs> <laughs> shake him out of the bed in the morning <laughs> Yeah, if, especially if they've got a dad like me. <laughs> uh, just bringing it back to COVID, um, obviously we've mentioned about um, there's still going to be guidelines in place during Ramadan this year. Um, but do you think there's a concern or should there, should, they, should there be a concern that you know people who might be running a little late and therefore lose their spot, as it were, because 
you know, social distancing wise, masjid is full and therefore there's no more capacity. Do you think they're going to be trying to squeeze in and compromise that social distancing element because their first thought is, I need to get in and pray in the masjid because it's open and it's Ramadan? I think, the, again, there's always going to be some rule breakers. So I think if and when it does happen, the chances are it will happen because somebody's made that journey all the way and they want to get into the mosque and they'll force their way into the mosque and pray somewhere. Um, if, if you if you guys were to see that, on, on, let's say a regular basis, you know, there's always a couple of people who are always doing it and it starts to build up. Would that put you you off from going to the masjid because it's compromised, as it were? I mean, if it, yeah, I mean, I was going to say, if it's the odd individual here and there, then maybe not. But if I start seeing it happening uh, among a lot of people where a lot of people are just doing it and um, mm. the people running the masjid aren't really doing anything or saying anything about it, that would annoy yeah. me. And I would think, okay, maybe this isn't the masjid I need to be. I mean, to be honest, the first thing I'd do is, I mean, if it's my local masjid, I'd probably contact the imam directly and just have a quick word with him and just let him know, look, I've noticed it happening. Um, it, it, can you just maybe address that? Because they, they, they're usually quite good. They'll address mm. certain issues. If they see something, they do make announcements. So I have seen them do that before. So inshallah, they'll do it this time around if they notice that. But yeah, it could it could potentially put me off from going to that particular masjid if I start seeing it happen a lot. Yeah, I think that's, that's a good point. You know, um, don't if you do see it happening, don't let it frustrate you and kind of, you know, exert your anger, as it were. Um, speak to the right people contact them explain the issue and and see if there's anything they can do if it still persists then you know again don't get angry <laughs> um try and make the most of your ramadan in the best way possible um can i sorry i was just gonna say something i know you were sort of talking about social distancing and covid and whatnot but have you guys um ever thought about if there was any financial impact on the masjids during Ramadan, something I was I was suddenly start thinking about now off the top of my head is like last year obviously must have been completely closed in Ramadan. They do a lot of fundraising, whether it's for their masjid, for other charities and whatnot. And potentially a lot of these charities may have got less money now because less people are at the masjid. You know, donating money, the masjids may have got less money to help you know running costs and whatnot. And I'm just wondering now uh, what sort of impact it would have this time around. You know, just I thought, well, it's just something I didn't even think about. You know, maybe the masjid needs. Yeah. yeah, definitely interesting. But I mean, for me, when I've thought about it, I mean, I think there's two sides to the coin, as it were. One is, yes, they do still need financial aid. But if the masjid is closed or not being used as much, then, you know, things like, I don't know, let's say energy bills or whatever, they're going to be less as a result of that. You're still going to have other running costs, yeah, so they still need that help, but they might not be as impactful. But I think, you know, the lockdown has definitely impacted a lot of masjid. Um, and, and, and I've seen a lot of them, you know, turn to their WhatsApp groups to encourage people to still donate to help keep the upkeeping of the masjid myself, you know. And I think when the mosques collect money, it's... You know, when you go to a supermarket and you've got the impulse buys at the checkout, mm. the donation, uh, the way that I perceive donations when you're at the mosque, when you give it directly to the mosque, are quite an impulse thing. It's something that you do. And when it's an impulse thing, it's usually yeah. smaller value compared to 
zakat for example I, I don't know anybody that's paid zakat into you know the like satchel type thing that they carry around mm. the rows in the mosque at Jummah time so I've, I've i've never seen anybody put in zakat in this i think people still give the vast majority zakat is probably is going to be the vast majority of it um and they'll still do that however they do that you know giving it abroad to someone back home or in the village or doing it through a charity so i see it as being the you know the impulse charity that potentially have gone but like Rahil said that's then balanced out with a lot of the mosques fixed costs being reduced because nobody's using the mosque as well and just to kind of close the show because we're closing in on time um what advice is there for anybody or for even for ourselves when it comes to end of Ramadan? You know, we start to kind of dwindle down on our ibadah. Um, for some, that might be a case of abandoning all ibadah. Is there any advice that you might throw out for those guys if they're listening? Um, I think it'll be the sort of the standard sort of spiel, as they would say, you know, anything, any sort of good habits that you might have picked up you know, try focus on those. If you started praying during Ramadan, which a lot of people do, um, you know, I've mentioned it, I think once before in one of our other um, shows is just make me focus on just the Fard prayers, you know, just do the Fard part, you know, don't do the Sunnah just yet. Once you get into that good habit, um, if you're, you know, if you've been doing all five prayers and you're sort of struggling to keep up with the five, maybe try to do four prayers or three prayers, you know, once you get into that habit, then add the next prayer on, you know, just little things, um, things that you think you can do consistently. Um, mm. And I think, inshallah, that will carry forward and you'll sort of realize by the next Ramadan, you know, you, you can improve, inshallah, by then. Brilliant. Well, we've run out of time, but thank you all for listening to us. You've been listening to The Verbal Outpost and uh, you can catch us on our podcast as well.